Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Hope you enjoyed the extended weekend. It's the Tuesday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day, uh, he's uh, a good guy, good enough to be in here, here to start the week. Christian Shimabuku, he is the digital sports reporter for KHON2. Christian, thanks once again for coming in. You got an awesome shirt. Uh, this is a uh, an audio medium, so I will just explain. It is this great t-shirt. It has a heart on the chest with the uh, name Maui on it. It is in honor of the the. Island of Maui. It is a beautiful sort of uh, aqua blue color. Um, for radio, you're looking fantastic, man. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great talking to you. Well, appreciate you being here. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. So much to get to, right? UH football, their week one game, which was their second game of the season, resulting in a 37-24 defeat at the hands of Stanford. But coming out of that, still a lot, I think, of areas that you can look at and feel like, hey, look, there's promise there. Pofele Ashlock repeating as Mountain West freshman of the week uh, that certainly is uh, a, a a high point and highlight for this Hawaii team through the first couple of weeks uh, you got Rainbow Wahine volleyball they have been shot back into the top 25 after several years of sort of toiling outside of the national rankings they're in the top 25 by virtue of their two uh, match series sweep of USC this past week they got a big tournament coming into town uh, here this week so we're going to get into that college football in full bloom here underway upsets wide all over the place so uh, there is a lot that we want to touch upon uh, and we are also going to be talking with one of the absolute legends of University of Hawaii football former Radford and UH cornerback Jarris White uh, who just celebrated I believe his 71st birthday on Sunday he's in town for the first time in like 18 years was at UH football practice this morning it also happens to be the 50 year anniversary of one of the all time great victories in University of Hawaii football history when they went up to Washington this was prior to their uh, official division one days in 1973 and they took down the mighty Huskies 10-7 in a game that uh, will go down as just one of the most monumental upsets that Hawaii football has ever been involved with. Uh, and so just so happens he's in town, this this uh, significant milestone anniversary of one of the great moments in UH football history. We're going to talk with Mr. Jarris White, who went on to play nine years in the NFL, also happened to win a Super Bowl with the Redskins in 1983. So uh, the guy has been there, done that, looks like he could still get on the floor, uh, on the field. We were thinking, uh, you know, Cam Stone suffering uh, an injury this past weekend, likely to miss uh, a little bit of time here. And we were kind of thinking like, oh, did they find out that Jarris White still has some eligibility left and maybe <laughs> going to plug him in at corner because uh, he looks like he could still play the game. But uh, excited to be talking with him. That'll be coming up in segment number two. And we also have to give away a pair of Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets uh, for this upcoming week. They'll start off this week's tournament on Thursday against Liberty. So we have a pair of tickets to that match. But let's start with what went down on Friday at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex, uh, the expanded stadium seating. Uh, there was a buzz in the air, I think, uh, coming off of the performance against Vanderbilt. There was a lot of excitement there. Uh, plus, I think you had the return of some of the sort of Polynesian flavor, right? Mm-hmm. It was the the post-Vili, but kind of Vili-like presentation on the intros uh, for the team coming out of the tunnel. Uh, you had the Pule and the moment of silence and the video montage that honored the 
the recovery efforts on Maui uh, and mourn the losses of the victims of those wildfires. And so there was a lot of that uh, in the air. There was sort of an essence, a spirituality, if you will. There was an excitement there uh, in Manoa uh, when that game started. But the offense came out somewhat flat. Stanford, to its credit, uh, with this new coaching regime, new offensive scheme, they were just really good, really solid, typical Stanford-like. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They, they seem like they have, uh, even though they were reportedly having a, a bit of a, a quarterback controversy, so to speak, or at least like a, a heavy quarterback competition, uh, they settled here on uh, a conductor of the offense that I think was um, was just sharp. And, and they didn't, again, put themselves in a lot of positions uh, to make themselves vulnerable. Uh, and Hawaii's offense, I think, coming out flat, just put them behind the eight ball a little bit and they were playing catch up basically the entire time ill time penalties some of those discipline issues for Hawaii as far as the the penalties on the field the the kinds of penalties there were a few questionable calls the targeting penalties I think would be at the top of the list there Uh, but yeah a lot to be desired uh, left I think after that performance Uh, but also as mentioned uh, some areas of of brightness and and some areas uh, I think that uh, are uh, encouraging. Uh, let's just talk kind of generally speaking. We're now two games in. What do you think about uh, round two, if you will, for year two of the Timmy Chang era on Friday? Yeah, I think it was another one of those games where, um, you know, it was uh, an encouraging loss in some ways for UH. Uh, but as you said, there were some opportunities left on the table. Um, I think something uh, that a lot of people didn't realize, including probably myself at the time, is, um, you know, how much of, it, of an advantage Stanford had um, heading into that game, um, you know, not having played any games. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no film on them offensively. You didn't know who their quarterback was. I think a lot of people thought heading into the game that Ari Patu had earned the job. And then, uh, you know, they tried out their offense, and it's not him. It's Ashton Daniels, yeah. Yeah, and he played a great game. He did. And so, uh, you know, uh, their defense as well, um, their 3-4 formation, taking away a lot of the intermediate stuff. Um, you kind of do forget that this is Stanford. Uh, they <laughs> yeah, have a, a yeah. lot of great athletes on the field, a lot of disciplined athletes on the field, one of them uh, being Punahou alum, um, Alakai Gilman, their strong safety. Uh, but the three other DBs uh, were very athletic, um, held UH in check for the most part, um, especially in the first quarter when UH gained uh, – I think it was two yards of offense on uh, three straight three and outs. So, you know, this is a really good team. Uh, You know, they might not do as well in the Pac-12, but in a game against a Mountain West team like Hawaii, they should have a lot of advantages, and they did. Yeah, I mean, interesting, right? This is the swan song, in essence, uh, for the Pac-12, or at least, you know, what we knew the Pac-12 to be. Um, And you have, what, six Pac-12 teams that are in the national rankings uh, here as of this moment. Um, And now you have a Stanford team that looks like it has a, a bit more of a very, type of offensive attack, right? Something that might be a a little bit more adaptable to modern football, right? Not necessarily something you've always associated with Stanford, right, over the years. Uh, But it looked like a Stanford team that, yeah, has has a bit of a versatility offensively that uh, otherwise uh, would not have been expected. We talked a little bit about this last week. Hawaii going into that Vanderbilt game, they had some of that element of surprise Mm -hmm. uh, to their advantage on their side, right? They were the ones, certainly compared to when they met Vanderbilt to start of the season last year that were just completely different. They were built differently. The schematics were different. There was an evolution that took place, certainly on the defensive side, much more veteranship there. Offensively, a new scheme uh, here being implemented. And so it was Vandy that was probably on the side experiencing a lot of what Hawaii was experiencing going into that Stanford game where they were thinking like, well, we're not totally sure exactly what this is going to look like. And that makes it a little difficult to prepare for. It looked like on Friday, those were the situations. It looked like Hawaii was the team where there was some video
video out there on them going mm -hmm. into that second week. You're talking about Stanford. These are smart dudes. This is a yeah. program that's always going to be disciplined. They're not going to beat themselves or shoot themselves in the foot too often with those kinds of ill-timed penalties. Uh, and I think that certainly hasn't helped Hawaii through the first couple of weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I think that it was Stanford in this particular instance in this matchup that had more of that element of surprise to its advantage on its side. And so uh, that's that was one of the concerns last week. How is that going to evolve for Hawaii now that there is going to be film on them, now that there will be opportunities for these upcoming opponents to put together game plans and scout them a little bit more efficiently. And I think we saw there, there were some signs of that. Stanford just looked more prepared for what Hawaii had to, to offer. Did Hawaii come out flat a little bit? According to Timmy Chang, he felt like maybe they were somewhat distracted by some of the, the noise on the periphery. And I think, you know, first home game, it was emotional. Uh, I think uh, expectations were running high because of that week zero performance. Uh, so I think there was some of that there. And there was definitely uh, a, a series of opportunities that Hawaii should have taken advantage of and didn't necessarily take advantage of. Uh, but that said, it just looked like the, the team that had a little bit more of that edge on its side going into the matchup to begin with was Stanford. But let's talk a little bit about the, the discipline part, mm -hmm. uh, because this is something that I think through two weeks you can say, hey, look, uh, that's an area that Hawaii just has to clean up. And the coaching staff will be the first to tell you that. Um, these aren't guys who are getting into trouble off the field. We're not talking about that kind of discipline issue. We're talking about discipline on the field, right, where you have – uh, Ezra Evaimalo getting the, the face pass penalty, uh, or you have uh, roughing the passer uh, by John Tuitupo, or you have the targeting penalties, which I think there's room for debate on whether or not those uh, really should have been deemed targeting the one against Isaiah Tufanga, who's going to uh, have to sit out the first half of this week's game because it took place uh, in the second half, and the one against Meki Pei, which I think was one of the more questionable mm -hmm. targeting calls that I can remember, uh, because there was some contact crown of the helmet but uh if, based on our understanding of the rule there has to also be another added indicator uh that is certainly a starting indicator but there also has to be a, another indicator of launching or something that's a little bit more uh nefarious in terms of of the play as opposed to what seemed like minimal contact above the shoulders uh and a lot that was caused by the lowering of the head by the offensive player but that kind of stuff's going to happen uh but the discipline issues are there. We saw that in week zero against mm -hmm. Vanderbilt when they had some very ill-timed uh, either procedure penalties uh, or, or penalties of other varieties. Uh, that's something that needs to be cleaned up. What do you think that represents for this coaching staff and for this team as, as far as the challenge of doing that? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, when you mentioned all those plays against Stanford, um, a lot of those were on third down. So the timing of that, um, you know, kind of compounded those mistakes. And so, um, you know, I think it kind of is a, a mental thing. Um, you don't want these guys to lose their edge or their aggression. But, you know, finding that balance um, is very important. The targeting role in college football, though, I will say is, uh, you know, very arbitrary and questionable. I think we saw in last night's Clemson-Duke game um, it become an impact on the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you know, in college football, um, the targeting rule has evolved where now um, 
players who do get the targeting call on them um, have to leave the game. Yep. Used to be able to stay in the game if intent wasn't a part of it, but now it's kind of all under one umbrella. So that's kind of just a tough role right now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, and I disagree with that part because yeah, not, not yeah. all targeting calls are equal or yeah, created yeah. equal. Like There's definitely degrees to it. And I don't think that those were instances that deserve those players being disqualified. Uh, and if the officiating uh, crew decides that it's not something that is worthy of them being disqualified, then they should just lift the targeting yeah. call altogether, right? They can still hold personal foul penalties if they think that uh, those are are called for, but uh, they don't necessarily have to move it into the realm of targeting. I think those are some of the things that need to be uh, assessed there. But, you know, a lot of the the infrastructure now from the officiating standpoint is to take some of the uh, questioning out of it, some of the, the more sort of human nature judgment call aspects of it out of it. They want to make it a little bit more calculatable and they can then look at it and be like, oh, there was a crown of the helmet contact. Boom. There you go. That's all you need to have. Uh, and I don't think that that necessarily should be the case. All right. We are going to go ahead and take a break. Have uh, Christian Shimabuku. He is the digital sports reporter for KHON. He's in the house as the special guest co-host here for the day. I'm very excited. On the other side of this break, we are going to be talking with Jarris White, one of the absolute legends of University of Hawaii football in town. Uh, he addressed the team today at practice. Just so happens to also be the 50th anniversary of one of the all-time great upsets in UH football history when they went up to Seattle to take down Washington 10-7 in a game that I think really publicized the fact to a lot of people in the country that Hawaii even had a football team and Jarris White was part of that game so that's coming up on the other side. A reminder Woodcraft Hawaii's vendor days are here this week. Save 10% off Bosch power tools and a 25% uh, discount on accessories at Woodcraft Hawaii. Alright, let's talk sports. Rolls on after this. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Christian Shimabuku, digital sports reporter for KHON2, is my special guest co-host for the day. Uh, very excited to welcome to the show via the phone line uh, just an absolute legend of University of Hawaii football. Uh, Jarris White was a cornerback at Radford High School, then at the University of Hawaii, was part of one of the great victories in the history of UH football when they went up and upset Washington 10-7. In fact, uh, we are celebrating the 50-year anniversary of that game that took place in 1973. Uh, White would go on to be drafted by Miami in the second round of the 1974 NFL Draft. Uh, he would play nine years in the league and go on to win a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins in 1983. He's back in town for the first time in a while, addressed the current Rainbow Warriors this morning at practice, and we're very stoked to welcome him to the show. Uh, Mr. White, Jarris White, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Thank you so much. First off, uh, welcome back to the islands. You said it had been a long time uh, since you were back. Uh, how long has it been, and, and how does it feel to be back? Uh, 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what's it? Uh, well, you know. Go ahead. I said it, uh, it feels great to be back. Uh, you were there at the uh, UH football practice today, and uh, you were asked to address the team after practice. Um, what did you say to them? I just talked to them about the, the mental aspects of uh, playing football, uh, and that's really the most important. You know, in my nine years in the NFL, you know, if you physically got beat, they were like, okay, you, got, you physically got beat, but if you made a mental error, I mean, you could get cut. 
<laughs> well, it seems like that message of attention to detail, which then can be sort of translated to uh, general discipline on the field, uh, that comes at a good time here for this team because that's uh, been an area of struggle uh, for this year's football team here through the first couple of weeks. Uh, when you look back on your time in the islands, uh, both at Radford uh, in, in your high school football days and at the University of Hawaii, what are the things that you first think of? What are the things that you first uh, conjure up? Well, you know, at, at Radford, I think of John Velasco. <laughs> and uh, he was a head coach, and he was, uh, he was great. You know, I, I'll always, I think I, I attribute my success to great coaching, you know. And uh, at UH, it was, uh, it was Larry Price. But uh, also, I love the weather. <laughs> I got tired of being in those cold. I got tired of being in those cold places. <laughs> uh, as mentioned, this is a significant milestone anniversary for one of the uh, biggest wins in UH football history. It was a victory that I think really put Hawaii on the map. Probably informed a lot of people around the country that the University of Hawaii even had a football team uh, in that win over Washington. What do you recall about that game? I just. Uh... I think about the, you know, Larry Price and uh, how he prepared us, and uh, but you know we we didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I mean, we kind of felt we were going to win. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Why was that? Where did that confidence come from? You think with that group? Let's put it this way: Do you want to have to practice with Larry Price or play the game? <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> I love it. The master motivator, Larry Price. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Christian, you want to get in here? Yeah, for sure, uh, Mr. White. Um, how was it, um, you know, being back at campus, um, you know, was it nostalgic? I'm sure the practice field looks the same, but, you know, on campus there's this new stadium. Um, it's not the biggest, but uh, it's pretty intimate and cool. Um, just what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, seeing the facilities this morning? Yeah, I was astonished. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, the, the lower campus has changed so much. It's an, un, unreal. Because I used to be in the dorm right outside the gate on the lower campus when we had the athletic dorm out there, and then we had that little uh, three-story building. That's unreal. That's We're talking with Jarris White, a former uh, University of Hawaii cornerback, also played at Radford, nine years uh, in the NFL. Uh, what was your NFL experience like? You played with the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, had to endure a really tough season with Tampa Bay, uh, but then also found yourself at the other end of the success spectrum, winning a Super Bowl with the Redskins in your last year. What a way to go out. Um, what, do you, what do you recall about your time in the NFL and, and, and kind of what it taught you? So, you know, I played for three great coaches, you know, in Miami was Don Shula and uh, Tampa Bay was John McKay and it was Joe Gibbs in, in Washington. You know, what I learned uh, in the NFL is, one, do your job. Two, don't make mistakes. You know, if you make a mental error, uh, that can get you cut uh, from a team. And uh, it was just, it's just always be prepared. Always be prepared, and uh, you know when you go out in the field. The NFL is so you know what the NFL stands for, don't you? <laughs> well, there's a few things, but not for long is probably the primary one, right? Exactly. That's what we. That's what the coaches used to tell us. The NFL stands for not for long. So you make a mistake, you, you're not going to be in the NFL for long. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, you were telling us, in fact, uh, an anecdote about Don Shula and how he was running film in the special teams room. Like, how many head coaches uh, would be doing that and, and just going back and forth, rewinding uh, over uh, uh, the uh, replay or, or a, a specific play by uh, one of the teammates that you had, uh, and the next day that teammate was gone. I mean, that's how cutthroat it can be because Don Shula didn't like what that player was doing. And that goes to, to your point about paying attention to detail. I mean, uh, no job, it seemed, uh, at, a, at a certain level was was necessarily safe, huh? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that was probably the most brutal thing I saw when I was in the NFL, what he did to this guy, Drugas. Uh, that was his name. And uh, when he – yeah, that was uh, – if, if you're not uh, if you're not welcome to the NFL this year and that, uh, then <laughs> you're, you're really tough. <laughs> that, that. We're talking with Jarris White, uh, again, former University of Hawaii uh, cornerback, played nine years in the NFL, back in the islands for the first time in 18 years. And I think uh, a big reason from what uh, your family told us, uh, you just celebrated your birthday. So uh, happy birthday to you. Um, what else do you have planned here for this trip? Well, we're going to go to the Outer Islands. You know, we're going to go to Maui. Got to right. go to Hana. Oh, is that your favorite place? That's, that's the spot? That's my spot, man. That's my spot, Hana, Hana, Maui. Because when I was uh, at uh, UH, we went over there and did a, uh, uh, we did like a little seminar for the football teams on the Maui. And then uh, the guy I was with, he said, uh, yeah. He said, uh, let's go to Hana. You know, my parents have a uh, summer house over there. I was like, okay. And so we drove over to Hana, and just the drive alone I thought was unreal. But when I got there, unbelievable. That's, if there's a place on earth that's paradise, it's Hana. I think you might be right on that, definitely. Christian? Uh, yeah, you know, um, college football has changed so much um, over the years. Um, you know, when you think about the current landscape, um, how do you think you would have fared uh, as a player um, with the way things are today? Uh, you know, I don't think – I don't know. I, it, it's really, uh, you, you know, your talent and your worth ethic. And uh, probably would have been easier. <laughs> yeah. Plus, um, yeah, to be honest with you, <laughs> maybe you could have got in on some of that nil money too. Probably around this time, right? <laughs> see, see, you you read my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, yeah. I mean, when you walked onto the field, you know, it was kind of the the rumbling started. Like, hey, that's Jarris White. That's Jarris White. Uh, you look fantastic. I mean, it, it, you look like you could uh, get out there and, and run a few drills. Uh, how have you kept yourself in such great shape? Well, you know, I've kept working out uh, the whole time. You know, once you do it all the, you know, those years, you just, you know, and you want to stay up. You want to keep up. So I, you know, I used to work out, you know, until I got a little ill here. Uh, I used to work out like three times a week. Wow. I, actually, I did the same workout I did when I was at UH. No I kidding. I always wow. did that workout. And yeah, I, that's the workout I did. I developed that workout at uh, at UH, and I just kept doing it. Can yeah, you, can you tell us a little bit about well, what that workout entails? Uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'd uh, I'd go out. I'd run a you know I'd stretch, and I'd run basically a mile to jog up, and I'd run ten hundreds. 
And then each hundred, I run the hundred. I backpedal twenty yards. I karaoke twenty yards. I walk back and I run, do that again. So that you know it helps you build your sprint speed, and the backpedaling helps you build your you know your coordination. And plus, you just got done running a hundred, so you're you kind of fatigued, right? But and then on the off days, on the like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I would do that. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd run two miles. And I would just work on footwork, and then uh, run the hundreds again. And uh, so it was a uh, it was a workout that uh, I did basically my whole career. Wow! Well, uh, really, really cool. Uh, how much have you continued to either keep in touch with some of your old Hawaii teammates, uh, or or just followed University of Hawaii football in general? I mean, you're living, I believe, what in in Virginia these days. You sort of stayed on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down in Maryland. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. How much have you been able to follow from, from all the way over there? Well, I haven't been able to follow the, the, the people, but, of course, I follow UH football. You know, I'm, uh, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm following UH football. Wow. Well, that's, that's uh, really great. You're one of the absolute uh, legends, one of the all-time greats, uh, and it's just, uh, it was a real pleasure uh, meeting you today at practice and, and getting a chance to talk some more here with you uh, on the radio. So uh, thank you for your time, and, and enjoy, Hana. I agree with you. Uh, it is maybe the uh, best place on this planet, and so uh, well-deserved celebration. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your vacation. Aloha. All right, take care. Jairus White, uh, all-time great for University of Hawaii football. We appreciate uh, his time. And, yeah, funny, right? Larry Price uh, being talked about sort of as uh, that's the coach that you didn't want to have to um, practice for because he would just work. He was insinuating you just kind of work your backside off. Uh, you'd much rather play the games. And it was yeah. like by default you uh, looked more forward to the games than you did even practice. And so he's saying, yeah, we went up there to Washington like, hey, we're playing a game. Uh, and if we're playing a game, we might as well play to win, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and that's just another thing that's unfathomable thinking about today. Like, could UH go up there this Saturday and be Washington? With the way Washington looked against Boise State last week, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Well, I mean, in this era of, of college football where, you know, you think it's it's so top-heavy, right, mm -hmm. all the, the haves and the resources that the haves have, mm -hmm. uh, and then what just continues to be this, like, snowball effect where the rich get richer and all this stuff, and yet – here we are after the first full weekend of college football, and there were upsets across the board. Yep. Uh, and so I think, you know, we're talking about NIL and all of this conference realignment, and, you know, it's all about television dollars and market share and market size. Uh, and we're possibly glo uh, glossing over uh, the fact that the transfer portal has made it so, um, in some respects, the teams that aren't being asked to join these super conferences have a shot. Yeah. Have a chance. Look at what Texas State, for crying out loud, G.J. Kinney, have Craig Stutzman on that offensive staff as the passing game coordinator. Look at what they did to Dave Aranda and Baylor this past weekend um, with, what, 45 transfers, like the third most transfers. Mm -hmm. Look at what Colorado did, and obviously that's a different uh, tier that we're talking about. Uh, but there were upsets across the board here this weekend, Duke and Clemson being another one last night. Clemson, ironically, being with Dabo Sweeney, one of those uh, sort of old-school uh, mentalities with regard to the transfer portal he doesn't bring in transfers all that much there have been some guys that transferred out dj uyangalele being one mm -hmm. of them got a victory for oregon state this past week against san jose state but um dabo hasn't necessarily dipped into the transfer portal all that much and look what happened 
to yeah. that team. So it's like we're at this really weird, odd time, and I'm not sure how long-term sustainable this will be, but where it just feels like the the – Axis of power just continues to strengthen. Uh, in fact, it gets even more um, nationwide from coast to coast in these conferences. And it just sort of has the feeling like, oh, the haves are just leaving the rest of them behind. And yet, competitively on the field, the transfer portal has become a bit of an equalizer, uh, which is kind of mind-blowing. Like, w- maybe maybe things aren't quite as, as top-heavy, competitively speaking, uh, as it seems or as kind of has been insinuated. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways uh, from the weekend in college football is that, you know, the transfer portal is a legitimate way to build a team. Um, it's not the only way, and it probably isn't the best way, but um, as we saw with, uh, you know, former UH offensive coordinator, G.J. Kinney, um, you know, it can be done. Um, and it's crazy how last night in the in the Duke-Clemson game, Duke had more transfers on their team than Clemson did, especially with uh, Duke. Uh, when you think about the academic caliber of that school yeah. and the type of people that need to get in, they can't just take anyone. Um, so yeah, maybe Clemson is you know got to do some soul searching and you know look into some of their transfers because you look at the Florida LSU game, the Florida State LSU game from uh, Sunday when Florida State looked awesome. Half of those players are transfers too. So everywhere you look, uh, there's a team that's uh, been reconstructed by the transfer portal. Yeah. All right. Uh, win one thousand dollars cash grand prize and a hundred dollar weekly prize in ESPN's Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. Brought to you by M Dyer Global. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Let's take a quick call from Neil on college football before we take a break. Neil, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? So, here's the thing about the week one upsets, if you want to call them that. Uh, this is how I talk about the rich getting richer. Uh, they are. They're also dealing with the after effects of the economics, if you will, or the uh, difficulties of the NIL. And the teams that are winning my opinion, are the teams that uh, are, that got players that want to play. And in college sports and in, dare I say, amateur sports, in all sports really, the players that want to play are going to win you. They're going to show up, they're going to do the work, and they're going to play the game. And as we saw in week one of college football, they're going to win games. They're going to surprise a lot of people. I think if you start getting into the muddling of NIL and contracts and payments, they're all just distractions. At the end of the day, those are all just distractions. And you saw that. I think you saw that. Interesting. Um, all right. Interesting. That Like the, the, the monster that has been built, if you will, uh, out of the NIL dynamic um, and, and construct, um, it's, it's kind of uh, careful what you wish for or, or uh, buyers beware uh, because you have, in some instances, maybe these players that are prioritizing things that aren't necessarily directly re- related to the competition that, on the field. That's exactly what I'm saying. Got that, it. Got it. You, know, you got guys that want to play. They're going to play. They're going to show up. They're going to put in the work that puts a product out on the field that is going to win you games. Eventually, you know, and we're seeing Colorado, Texas State, uh, uh, Duke, you know, a lot of those players, they're not getting big, lucrative NIL deals. They're getting an opportunity to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. 
and I think they're seizing that opportunity. And I and, and to be honest with you, Pro, I'm here for it, man. Yeah, I'm here for it. No, that's a, actually an interesting point, Neil. Appreciate the call, man. We got to take a break, but uh, I do appreciate that call, and I think that's interesting. I do kind of want to expand a little bit on that when we come back, because uh, yeah, that is. There was a time where. You know, if you have uh, Vinny Testaverde as your quarterback at Miami back in the day, right? And, and he's like, you know, one of the top uh, quarterbacks and prospects in the country. The three guys behind him, they wait their turn. Maybe one of them gets a shot to be a starter, but usually those guys will kind of toil in anonymity until or, un, you know, either if or until they get an, a chance to, to play or start. And, and in many cases, they wouldn't necessarily get that opportunity. Now, because of the transfer portal, those guys can find another place to play. And they might be pretty darn good. Uh, and if they have that chip on the shoulder that I think Neil is sort of referring to, then yeah, that could be the extra motivator. And that can, in many ways, sort of level the the mental playing field when it comes to these matchups with these larger name schools. Uh, that's kind of an interesting dynamic that has been born out of what is otherwise just a full-on chaotic money-grabbing environment that is college football. Uh, the irony is that maybe we're looking at some pretty good competitiveness within all that because of the transfer port, at least early on, right? Element of surprise stuff is part of this conversation as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there was a time where Texas State, Baylor, I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. Baylor's supposed to win that game. Uh, Clemson's supposed to beat Duke in the, in the you know, first full weekend of college football. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, why didn't that happen? Maybe we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that on the other side of this timeout. Plus, we have a pair of Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets to give away. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Christian Shimabuku is my guest co-host for the day. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can text in at the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, you're going to want to call in. We're going to be giving away those two tickets to Rainbow Wahine Volleyball against Liberty on Thursday in just a moment. But kind of wanted to at least uh, open the door for you, Christian, if you had any comments uh, on uh, what Neil had to say when he called in. And just that, that first full weekend of college football with Colorado pulling off that big win against T. ECU and some of the other upsets that we had have seen here throughout uh, this first week, full weekend's uh, worth of action. Uh, where do you sort of stand on on maybe why we saw some of those upsets? Yeah, well, I think there is a lot of truth to what Neil said, and um, there definitely is a desire for some of these kids to play. Um, but I think it also speaks to uh, how strong uh, some of the coaching is. Um, when you look at a guy like Craig Stutzman, um, you know, who does play a big hand in that offense um, as the passing game coordinator. Um, I think you saw why he was, um, you know, such an appealing choice to be Nick Rolovich's replacement as UHS head coach in 2020 because he can really scheme up some stuff. Uh, he schemed against Dave Aranda, who's, you know, looked at as probably one of the best uh, yeah. defensive minds in college football, if not the best. And smacked him around a little bit. Yeah. Like 42-31, that was kind of no joke. I mean, that was a bit of a beatdown. And, and, you know, even the Duke-Clemson last night, mm -hmm. like it was a close game at halftime, uh, and then Clemson got shut out in the second half. Uh, Duke outscored him, what, 22-0 to zero in the second half? And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think even that part of some of these upsets uh, a bit surprising, right? The fact that that Colorado could keep pace uh, and with such an offensive explosion against TCU in that very first game uh, under Deion Sanders. Now, Deion's a different deal. 
Because we knew that this was going to be his approach. He was going to make no apologies about running dudes off. They were going to overhaul the roster. Talk about transfers. They have the most transfers. I think Texas State is number three with the 45 transfers, I believe, is the number. Uh, And Colorado has the most transfers, right? And so there were questions about, like, okay, do they have yet the pieces to be able to put a winner out on the field here in year one? Uh, You and I shared, I think, specifically (laughs) some some skepticism as to whether or not uh, that could happen. Uh, I was definitely not uh, convinced that they would look like that uh, the first time on the field. But they instantly, I think, presented um, one, maybe two, maybe three Heisman candidates here in this yeah. opening week. Uh, whether or not that's sustainable, we talk about the element of surprise. Dion taking quite the victory lap as well here. Uh, quite a bit of popping off there, which, hey, look, it's deserved when you put on that kind of incredible performance and it's your son at quarterback. And, uh, you know, you have Travis Hunter who's playing, what, a 130 snaps or something like that in that first yeah. game. I mean, just can that uh, continue? Is that sustainable? Um, but he's taking quite a victory lap, and, and you wonder, like, is, is this is this a sign of what's to come uh, now that Colorado's in the top 25, or was this kind of a one-off? Yeah, for sure, and I think... Uh... You know, one thing I will give um, Deion Sanders credit for is he's a master motivator. If you look at his pregame speech um, on Saturday and his halftime speech, he truly had these players believing. He had me believing. I wish I saw that uh, before I made some of my predictions. Um, and I think their game against Saturday, on Saturday against Nebraska is going to be very interesting because, you know, that's another program that's overhauled um, its coaching staff and its roster um, in Matt Rule. So yeah. um, it'll be a very interesting one. But, yeah, yeah Colorado um, definitely exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Um, a lot of their fans fans as well taking uh, victory laps um including our friend uh paca yeah yeah our friend paca lani bello <laughs> who uh, is just insufferable like already insufferable <laughs> but it's now just it's, it's impossible to deal with that guy uh now that colorado is good again all right uh we're gonna give away a pair of tickets so 808-296-1420 the number call in we're gonna give you a trivia question right now if you have the answer you get the tickets all right 808-296-1420. Tickets to Liberty on Thursday to watch this now nationally ranked Rainbow Wahine volleyball team in action, in person. And here is the trivia question. All right? Uh, we have a uh, Rainbow Warrior offensive player in Stephen McBride who has uh, really kind of burst onto the scene here. Uh, three touchdown catches tied with Pofele Ashlock for the team lead through the first two games. The trivia question is this, 808-296-1420. Uh, what former University of Hawaii all-American volleyball player, because these are volleyball tickets, right? So you want a mm-hmm. volleyball-related question. Which former University of Hawaii All-American volleyball player is Stephen McBride cousins with? He is cousins with a former University of Hawaii women's volleyball player. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number. It's a little tougher maybe than some of the the previous questions that we've uh, thrown out there. But uh, if you want those tickets on Thursday against Liberty, please call in. Again, we are uh, putting out the trivia question. The cousin of Stephen McBride is which former University of Hawaii All-American volleyball player? Um there are some hints here. If you know a little bit more about Stephen McBride, if you know a little bit more about like his hometown, those could be clues uh, to uh, help you uh, perhaps come up with the correct answer. We are up against the commercial break, though. We will keep the phone line open. So if anybody wants to call in uh, while we're uh, while we're on break and call in with the answer to that trivia question, feel free. 808-296-1420 is the number. Christian Shimabuku is in the house. Uh, again, two tickets to the Rainbow Wahine match on Thursday against Liberty. Which former UH all American volleyball player is Stephen McBride's 
cousin. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. All right, uh, welcome back. Let's talk sports. We got Kanoa Leahy, got Christian Shimabuku here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Uh, got a couple calls, and even I got a couple of texts for whatever reason uh, about the uh, trivia question. No correct answer yet. It is still open. We're still looking for the correct answer for the pair of Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. I'm wondering if people are just Googling this, right? Like, is that, is that what's taking uh, some people so long to call in? 808-296-1420 is the number. If you have a guess or an answer for the trivia question, we're looking for Stephen McBride, uh, the now uh, one of the feature receivers for the University of Hawaii football. Uh, he has an All-American, a former All-American uh, Rainbow Wahine volleyball player as a cousin. Uh, name that player. We have Randy on the line. Randy, uh, we had a couple of calls that were incorrect during the break. Do you have the correct the answer. answer? I think I know the answer. Did, I can smell the tickets now. Did you Google it? Is that why you know the answer? <laughs> yeah. Is it? I might not be 100%. Is it Amber? Oh, no. Amber. Wait, there are a couple Ambers. Amber IGD or yeah, Amber, Amber Kaufman? IG. Oh, you know what? That is a solid guess. It is not... Uh, the correct oh. answer, though. And I will tell you no. why it is the solid guess. Uh, thank you, Randy, for calling in. 808-296-1420 okay. is the number. Uh, because when you start to look at the hometown of Stephen McBride, that's where it starts maybe to make sense, right? Amber IGD is from the state of Louisiana. Um, Stephen McBride is from the state of Louisiana, specifically from a town called Napoleonville in Louisiana. That might help. I think that's why Amber Igita was a good guess because mm-hmm. there's definitely like some uh, you know geographical connections potentially. Uh, but there is another former, really big name, uh, All American Rainbow Wahine volleyball player, 808-296-1420, who is the cousin of Stephen McBride. That was the, the hint that should absolutely push this over the top. I think as we <laughs> give away two tickets to Rainbow Wahine volleyball on Thursday, we have another call coming in. We do want to get to our best and worst uh, here shortly. I want to remind everybody to catch UH and NFL football at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. Open 6 a.m. Sunday, showing all the NFL games. You can watch Monday night and Thursday night football over there with a special happy hour poo-poo menu from 4 to 7 p.m. And then for Hawaii games, they'll have uh, an awesome menu special as well. 850 is the home of the new video wall and the place for UH College and NFL football. All right, we have Kalani on the line. Kalani, do you have an answer for our trivia question? Oh, do we have Kalani here? Can we pot uh, Kalani up there? Sorry. Kalani, are you there? Hey, Kanal. Hey, what's up? Do you have an answer? Yeah. Um, Kim Willoughby. Boom. There you go. Good you one. got it, right? The Napoleonville, Louisiana gave it away, right? Uh, no, when you said Louisiana. Oh, okay. That's the only one I know from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's an interesting uh, little tidbit there. Uh, cousin of Stephen McBride, yeah. his former UH All-American volleyball uh, superstar, uh, Kim Willoughby. So uh, congrats, Kalani. Uh, you'll be going to the match on Thursday. If you can hang on, Liz will get all of your uh, information and let you know how you can uh, pick them up and, and uh, have fun at the game, man. Right on. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, Kim Willoughby. That was a pretty good one. I like that one. I felt like there was a little bit of a lag. We got some calls during the break. There was a little bit of a lag, though, as guys were maybe trying to, like, you know, see if they can <laughs> Google some of that information. That's kind of how you have to navigate around these things when you do the trivia one. But I like that one. That was a, a one that was, I think, a little bit um, of, a, of a cool tidbit for those as they watch uh, now uh, Stephen McBride in action in a UH uniform. Yeah, for sure. And Kim Willoughby, um, you know, definitely uh, one of the greats at UH. Um, would be wrong to mention, she 
did run into some legal trouble uh, recently, but uh, yeah, that's not part of the trivia question. <laughs> okay, Debbie Downer, thanks a lot there, Christian. Oh. Uh, the ne- <laughs> Hey, you're a reporter. I understand. Yeah. It's always the whole story. Uh, the next uh, Craig Angelis show is September 12th at 6 p.m. at Velocity of Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. Uh, I'll be with UH Athletics Director Craig Angelis for the latest from behind the scenes in UH Sports. Plus, there's food and drink available for purchase, valet parking at the MW Restaurant. It's brought to you by the JN Group, some fancy cars that'll be aligning the Craig Angelis show next week. All right, time for our best and worst. Uh, let's go with our worst first. What's your worst? Christian. Yeah, my worst is um, Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher um, Julio Arias um, getting arrested um, or getting arrested and charged with felony domestic violence. Um, it's not the first time that he has been, um, you know, accused of something like this. And so, yeah, I wouldn't want him to be on a team I'm rooting for in the future. And uh, I don't think anyone listening should either. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. There's there's some really kind of bummer behavior uh, from some of these uh, stars in Major League Baseball. It really just soils what uh, are otherwise, you know, first off, really talented players. And then the other thing is just what has been, I think, for the most part, a really enjoyable, entertaining season overall in Major League Baseball. And I think that some of that stuff really kind of uh, spoils uh, our ability to, to celebrate it in, in as complete a manner as we otherwise would. So, uh, yeah, definitely a worst for sure. My worst, uh, a little more trivial, but something that bugged me a little bit, the uh, Michigan game. You had the Michigan players uh, and even fans who were walking into the stadium, uh, and they had, you know, uh, free Jim Harbaugh or free Harbaugh, who suspended for the first three games because of a self-levied suspension by both him and the school. Uh, And so you had the players that did that, like, single-line formation, and they're all holding up the number four in honor of their coach, and it's like, we're honoring you, free Jim Harbaugh. It's like... Yeah, did it to yourself. (laughs) It was a suspension that you guys put on yourselves. What are you talking about? It just seemed a little trite and unnecessary and, uh, you know, just kind of typical Michigan in that way. Yeah, and there is a there is a freedom date, right? Like there is a set date <laughs> yeah, for when he will. comes back. So and it just so happens to be <laughs> for the more important games that they're <laughs> yeah. playing, as opposed to you know East Carolina or whatever it was. Okay, uh, let's get to our best. What's your best? Yeah, my best is um, you know the college football players from Maui, um, FBS players who had a big weekend. Um, speaking of Michigan, um, receiver Roman Wilson, uh, who was from Maui, uh, went to St. Louis, three touchdown receptions. Unreal. Uh, Washington State, um, Kapena Guchikin made his first college start, five tackles and a pass deflection. Former UH receiver and uh, Pukalani native, uh, Lincoln Victor, 11 yeah. catches for 168 yards. A.J. Bianco in his first college action, um, Lahaina native, um, four for five, 129 yards on a touchdown against USC. How was that? Um, and then to wrap it up, in Friday's game, uh, Carson Pupunu, mm-hmm. Uh, circus catch, 33 yards for his first ever college reception. Yeah, off the deflection. That was <laughs> yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, he, he's a great story. He lost some extended family members uh, in the Lahaina fire. And uh, yeah, so that was, uh, I, I remember watching that um, at the stadium on Friday and just thinking like, wow, that's a pretty cool moment. Good for that <laughs> yeah. guy. Because, uh, I mean, it was, we talked to him the day after uh, the, the fires and basically he had yet to know how his family in its entirety was affected. He was still very much sort of in the cold uh, because because the phone lines and all of that stuff, the cell phone connections weren't there, uh, and then learned some pretty devastating news uh, in the days following. So, uh, yeah, that was a feel-good moment for Carson Papuno. Very stoked for him. Uh, all right, uh, my worst, this is, again, a much more trivial one. You kind of see where we go on these. Uh, I, I tend to sort of deal on the stuff that's a little more ridiculous, but this is kind of funny. Riley Leonard, the 
quarterback for Duke, right? Pulls off that huge win and upset over uh, then number nine Clemson last night. Uh, apparently, he and his mom have a tradition, uh, and it is born out of the idea of his mom wanting to make sure that his ego is always kept in check. And so she texts him before every game. He also wears a wristband that has the same phrase that she texts him, and the phrase is, you suck. <laughs> So Riley Leonard's mom texting him before every game like, hey, honey, good luck tonight. Uh, You know, play well, but also you suck. And I kind of love that. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's definitely one way to humble your your children. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, that's funny. I wonder uh, like how exactly that started. I hadn't really seen necessarily the... uh, the the origin story behind it on any of the reporting that I've seen, but just something that has developed here over the course of time. And he even has the wristband that says, you suck. So every time he looks down at the plays or looks down at whatever, it's like, ah, thanks, Mom, keeping me in check. But he didn't suck uh, last night, that's for sure. Yeah, no, he did not. And uh, he had another great moment yesterday where he asked his Duke professor for an extension <laughs> on his homework. Yeah. You got to give it to him, right? You got even at Duke, right? Yeah, you got to yeah. give it to him. All right. A big thanks to Jarris White for talking with us earlier today. Big thanks to Christian Shimabuku as well for being in here. Liz Stacy, and congrats uh, to Kalani for winning the volleyball tickets. All right, that'll do it for us. See you next time.